0: Baseball season is finally back. The Maryland Terrapins get the 2019 campaign started this weekend down in Conway, South Carolina on Friday against Campbell, Saturday against Coastal Carolina, and Sunday against VCU. And we have a full preview for you here on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. This is the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Here's your host, Justin Galanti. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. I'm Justin Galanti, as you heard, joined by Connor Newcomb. Connor, it's been a little bit, but we are back. The season's about to start, and boy, is this exciting.
1: Yeah, just a couple of days away from the Terps going to Conway, South Carolina, where of course they had a lot of success when they went down there last season and now back down there this year to start the 2019 season. It's been a pretty long off season, a lot of changeover in the Maryland roster, but that means a lot of new faces and some exciting faces to see out on the field this weekend.
0: And before we get into what we're going to see this weekend specifically, let's just talk about Maryland at large a little bit. It's the second year under this coaching staff, second year with Rob Vaughn as the head coach, and you know, Connor, he's said a lot about what he learned from a year last year where the Terps went 24-30, and 9-14 in the Big Ten. They, you know, didn't qualify for the Big Ten tournament, went 500 at home, really struggled on the road. There's really no other way to describe what happened last year as anything other than a down year. What, for you, has been sort of the most telling things that – Rob has said about what he learned and what the coaching staff learned last year
1: I mean he's he's talked a lot about just learning overall from his mistakes maybe his approach as a coach you know things are a lot different from being a hitting coach from you know a guy who was one of the biggest you know motivators in college baseball and just being all about hitting and about getting things done and now as a head coach he takes on more responsibilities and being able to, you know, work with every single person on a baseball team. You know, sometimes as a hitting coach, you can maybe get away with just working with your hitters. But as a head coach, he's got to be able to connect with every player on that team. And things are a little bit different, but I think he's made some changes. He's talked about a little bit of a difference in the practices, just the preparation of the team. And I think in his second year, at least him as a coach and his staff will be better prepared going into this 2019 season and obviously every year as a head coach is going to help him and it's going to help the Terps this year because obviously it gets tough right away with a couple of NCAA tournament teams that we'll talk about a little bit later.
0: Yeah it's, it's definitely a tough start to the season for Maryland as it was last year going down to Tennessee and they took two out of three and it was such a weird start to the year last year because there was the great beginning against Tennessee taking two of three and then you come home and lose two of three to Army, which was obviously a pretty big setback and not something um, a program like Maryland ever wants to see happen. And then you have the trip down to Coastal where the Terps went 3-0. and And it looked like, okay, Army was the blip. Tennessee and the Coastal trip were what the season were going to be. And then it just didn't go that way. Things pretty much went downhill from there outside of that series against Stetson at home where they took two of three. Uh, but... You know, a, a, a down year. That's all. We'll, that's all we'll say about last year. We'll move on from last year. It was a down year. It's the first year under a new coaching staff. It's going to happen. It is what it is. Now into year two, there are some, you know, some known quantities on this team, but there are a ton of question marks. The the guys that they lost: Nick Dunn, Kevin Biondick, Taylor Bloom, Marty Costa, Zach Jankarski, Those are the main guys you lost. There were a few others as well, but. There were a ton of transfers into the program this year, a bunch of guys who didn't play much last year or didn't have big roles that are going to step into big roles. And obviously there's talent on this team. It's a Big Ten school. It's Maryland. You're going to have talent. But the overwhelming majority of the roster is a question mark. However, you do have your four seniors that you're led by. You're starting third baseman, Taylor Wright's a senior. You're starting shortstop. A.J. Lee is a senior, your, your closer, John Murphy, is a senior, and your Friday night starter is Hunter Parsons. He's a senior, so that's a great place to start.
1: Yeah, but obviously the question marks come a lot with the offense, and you have Lee and you have Taylor right in there, but it's which guys will step up this season because if you look at that Maryland lineup from last year, the Terps lost their top five hitters as far as batting average goes from last season. Nick Dunn, Kevin Biondick, Zach Jankarski, Will Watson, and Marty Costas were the top five in batting average. For the Terps last season, all five of the players have either graduated or went to the Major League Baseball draft last June. So the Terps are going to have to look to replace those guys in the lineup this season. I think the Terps have more pitching depth. They have a lot of options at pitcher. I think the bigger question mark is in that lineup because you slot A.J. Lee back in there, who did have kind of a down 2018, and you slot Taylor right back in there. And then Justin Vogt, who played a good amount, and Randy Bednar, who played a good amount last season, will be back in this year. But after that, there's a lot of question marks on who will play around Randy Bednar in the outfield. A lot of new faces on the right side of the infield as well. And again, just losing your top five hitters as far as batting average is concerned, that is tough for any team to go through. The Terps are going to have to rely on really some younger bats this season. Behind Lee and Wright, it's going to be a lot of young faces. Some freshmen and sophomores are really going to fill out that entire lineup and some junior college transfers as well who the Terps really haven't seen much of or at least Terps fans haven't seen much of so it's going to be interesting to see what this lineup can do besides those two seniors who will most likely be the anchors
0: yeah and look we say all we want about how important it is for other guys to step up but you know if you're being candid AJ and, and Taylor neither of them had good years last year so those guys not only need to be your senior leaders but they have to be enormously better than they were last year. Taylor Wright comes in first year at the D1 level after transferring from Colorado Northwestern Community College, and he hit two thirty his on-base percentage was three did didn't show a whole lot of power, and he was hitting cleanup at the beginning of the year, so the, the coaching staff was expecting a lot more from him. Now, he had a very good end to the season. He's had a good fall, so they expect big things from him, and it's not something that, you, you don't expect for a guy to struggle transitioning from the junior college ranks to D1, and a lot of times you see the big jump in year two. So that's the hope for Taylor. And then AJ Lee, he transitioned from third base to shortstop last year. As a sophomore at third base, he hit 307, had eight homers, 36 RBIs, third team all conference, and then l- last year sort of inexplicably hit 230, only one home run and 18 RBIs. So you know Maryland needs Taylor Wright to be the the guy that they thought he would be last year, and they need sophomore year AJ Lee as opposed to junior year AJ, AJ Lee, which I think are things that can definitely happen. But I think you know I think before we start getting into other guys, it starts with those two having all-conference-type seasons.
1: Yeah, and A.J. Lee, obviously, you look at that sophomore season, and you think of a guy like Hunter Parsons who had such a good freshman year, then a disastrous sophomore year, and came back and was clearly Maryland's ace last season. So guys can turn it around and have good bounce-back seasons. And for A.J. Lee, obviously a guy after that sophomore year, we thought, hey, if he can repeat this again in his junior year, you know, we're thinking possible Major League Baseball draft for him. Obviously didn't happen. So now in his senior season, time to bounce back for him, both offensively and defensively. Obviously a lot more chances at short, but a lot more errors at short last season. But we know he's been working on his defense, and he's still one of the better defensive infielders in the Big Ten. And then offensively, a guy who can hit and can show a little pop. And between him and Taylor Wright, who are going to sit somewhere in the middle of that lineup, at least at the beginning of the season, as you said, it's going to be important for them to get going, and hopefully that can spark the rest of – a lot of these new faces in the lineup, it's going to be a lot of different guys in that opening day lineup than it was in that final game against Indiana last season.
0: And we talk about, obviously, the struggle that it was last year for Maryland, but there were definitely bright spots, and Hunter Parsons was one of them. He had a fantastic year, as you said. Coming off that rough sophomore year, he made 13 starts for Maryland, an ERA under 3.5, and, and if you take out the blow-up start on, a, on the opening weekend against Tennessee, his ERA is somewhere around 29 He had two complete games. He logged 89 innings for a pitching staff that was marred by injuries. You know, Tyler Bloom had the arm issues. Taylor Bloom missed a month with the unfortunate uh, concussion that he suffered at Michigan. So Hunter Parsons was really the only mainstay in the rotation. He was fantastic, and that's a great place to start with the pitching staff for Maryland. And then on the back end, John Murphy is similar to A.J. Lee where – he had a dominant sophomore year. John Murphy is a sophomore, 31 and two-thirds, and a 1.71 ERA. And then last year, his ERA is almost 4.5, and, and, he, and he really struggled. So that's another guy that you fully expect to have a really good year this year, but he, he just has to be better than last year. Right,
1: and obviously it comes down to the command for Murphy. I mean, he still showed that great strikeout stuff last season. 37 Ks for him in 25 and a third inning. So he was still striking out batters at a very, very high rate last year. Guys were just not hitting him well at all. He didn't allow... Too many hits either did Murphy last season, just the 18 hits in 25 and a third innings, but obviously the big number, the 21 walks last season combined with the seven batters he hit last year, 28 free passes in under 28 innings, so he's allowing at least a walk per inning, a walk or a hit by pitch per inning last year, and that was really putting him behind in innings, making him throw a lot of pitches. He got out of some jams, Kevin Biondick helped him out of some jams last year as well, but if he can just cut down a little bit on the walks and the hit batters, he still showed the great strikeout stuff and that's still going to play into his senior year.
0: And we were told that Murphy's developed a good breaking ball since last season, that he can throw for strikes or he can use it as an out pitch, and that's something that'll be uh, very important for him. So he'll man the back e- end of the bullpen. Uh, one thing to touch on, John Murphy is suspended the first two games of this season. With uh, He got ejected from the opening game of the Indiana Series at the end of last year. It's an automatic four-game suspension. And since Maryland didn't play four more games, they only played two. He was suspended for those two games. He'll be suspended for the Coastal game and the Campbell game. So if Maryland's ahead late in the game and they need someone to close one of the first two games of the season, uh, Murphy will not be able to do so, so they'll have to look somewhere else. So that's just worth uh, touching on. But as we preview the team a little bit, let's just go about this positionally. And starting behind the plate, it's a clear number one starter and Maryland hasn't had that in a few years. Two years ago, you had the three-man rotation of Justin Morris, Nick Cieri, and Danny Maynard. Last year, Justin Vote and Justin Morris split time. And Ty Friedrich got some starts earlier in the year before he got hurt. This year, there's no doubt. Justin Vote's your starter. He's a sophomore captain, which is very impressive as voted by his teammates. And, you know, Vote had just under 70 at-bats last year. He hit 174. He struck out nearly half his at-bats it wasn't a good good freshman year for Justin Vote offensively. He did show some power. He hit three home runs in the 69 at-bats, and he was very good defensively. But the coaching staff has crazy amounts of confidence in this kid, and they think he's going to make huge strides in his sophomore year even after he struggled as a freshman because it didn't seem like, and I, and I know we both watched a lot of him, it didn't seem like Justin Vote was overmatched as a freshman or anything like that. Whereas, you know, sometimes freshmen struggle because they seem overmatched and they need to get stronger, whatever it is. Vote. I think his issue was just plate discipline. He was swinging at almost everything, and that's why the 33 strikeouts came in the 69 at-bats. But if he improves his plate discipline, there's every reason to believe he could hit 320 this year.
1: Yeah, and it's something we've already seen him improve. I mean, watching him all summer, he just got so much better at the plate this summer. He only appeared in 18 games, kind of took some rest over the summer just because he played a lot at the end of that spring season for Maryland behind the plate, but he walked 12 times to just 16 strikeouts over the summer when he had a 4.84 on base percentage in the Cow Ripken League, showed off the power, he became a lot better hitter, and then something he really worked on in the summer was his defense. He's gotten better and better as a throwing catcher, had some issues, a little bit wild on some of his throws to try and get guys out early in the summer at the end of last year, but he worked on that a lot, worked on his blocking, and he's become a very, very reliable defensive catcher with a bat to go with it. And just because of the player Justin Vogt is, he's going to strike out. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be a guy who goes up there, and he's going to try to give you a three-run homer. And sometimes that means he is going to strike out, but he's worked on that discipline where he can work a walk when he needs to as well. And the power is still there. The doubles, the home runs, they're going to come as well. I think we're going to see big things from Justin Vote this season. And I think by the end of the year, this could be a guy that could be Maryland's
0: offensive MVP. Yeah, no doubt. And I think if this team's going to be very successful, I think uh, Vote might end up being the best hitter on the team. And, you know, we don't want to say it like strikeouts are the end-all, be-all. The last two big Ten, play- big Ten players of the year, Brent Spillane from Illinois last year and Jake Adams from Iowa the year before, big power hitters who struck out a lot, you'd just prefer that strikeout rate to be somewhere around, you know, 30% instead of 50%. Power hitters are going to strike out. It's, it's going to happen. However, sometimes, you know, if you make more contact, you can hit it over the fence. You can hit doubles and things like that, obviously. But everybody seems to be super confident in Justin Vote, and they expect a real big year out of him as one of the leaders uh, on the team. Going to the left side of the infield, we've talked about it a little bit. Taylor Wright, A.J. Lee, your two seniors. You hope that left side of the infield is an in anchor. You hope those guys play every single game for Maryland this year and have big-time years. And we saw Wright really pick it up offensively at the end of last year, and we've seen A.J. Lee have success at Maryland. So there's reason for a lot of hope there.
1: Yeah, with Taylor Wright and A.J. Lee on the left side of the infield. First of all, we've talked about it. You get two seniors over there, two guys that you know. As long as they stay healthy, you can trot them out there every single day, pencil them into the lineup every single day. And that's something Rob Vaughn can kind of start with. These three guys vote. Wright and Lee every single day you can say they're in my lineup they're going to be in the middle of my lineup and then I can build around them and especially Taylor Wright I mean first of all he gives you a left-handed bat in the lineup which is always good and he flashed that power a little bit as you said with a couple of home runs he hit one against Michigan last year he was able to you know hit some doubles he had nine doubles last season as well and showed it a lot at the end of the season and he's a guy who can use the entire field as a left-handed hitter. Again, I still think he can develop more power than he's shown, and he's gotten better and better defensively. I think it was a little bit of a struggle for him at third base defensively at the beginning of last year. He played a little first base as well during the season, but he's gotten better defensively, and I think that will help the Terrapins as well.
0: When you move to the right side of the infield, that's where the questions start for Maryland. Starting at second base, it seems like the option has come down to sophomore Tommy Gardner or freshman Ben Cowles. Gardner had seventy four at bats last year, hit one sixty two, didn't display any power. His on base percentage was three eleven as a you know, going along with a one sixty two batting average. So got on base much more than his batting average would indicate, but certainly struggled with the bat as a freshman. He's very good defensively, and Cowles seems like one of the studs of this freshman class for Maryland. He hit 5'12 his senior year of high school. Honorable mention, high school All-American. He won Iron Terps in the offseason, which is the, uh, you know, challenge this team does with all the physical and academic and whatever things they do, getting up early in the morning and working out. First freshman to ever win that. We've been told he's a great, great competitor. And, you know, Gardner's a sophomore. He has experience. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Ben Cowles start at second base on opening day. And I wouldn't be surprised at all from what we've seen from this kid if he develops into one of the better players here in a long time. There's a pretty strong second base legacy now going back the last few years with Nick Dunn, who had such a good year last year and tore it up in the minor leagues after being drafted in the fifth round by the Cardinals, and Brandon Lau, who wasn't here too long ago, and he's already in the major leagues with the Rays.
1: Yeah, and a guy I also think about with Ben Cowles just because – just a middle infielder who hits like he does, and we've seen him hit some bombs in practice already. I mean, um, the clearing the fence hasn't been an issue for him as long as far as the power goes, but it just comes to mind a little bit of Kevin Smith and Ben Cowes, just a lot of pop from a middle infielder and a guy who maybe people will always say, you know, can he defend, can he defend, but... And Kevin Smith defended just fine when both, he was here. Both from New York. Right, both from New York. Kevin Smith ended up defending just fine, and he's getting better. Same thing with Ben Cows. You know, there could always be a question where Tommy Gardner, he's one of the better defensive infielders I've seen at the college level. He picks anything he can get to, and that will get Tommy Gardner into the lineup. But I still think Ben Cows he'll be able to field there. And if his bat just continues to hit, you have to get him into the lineup somehow. And that's what it looks like right now, that Cows you would think is going to have a good shot to be in that opening day lineup against Campbell. And as you said, he's going to be a guy around Maryland, hopefully for a long time that, you know, is going to be one that we'll remember for the Terps.
0: And, and you know, we're obviously not coaches, so we're just speculating on this. But wouldn't you think that – obviously defense is important and all of these new metrics with defensive run saved and, you know, all this stuff shows how important defense is, the way it goes into war and all of that. However – coming off last year where, yeah, the pitching staff wasn't great for Maryland, but the offense struggled so mightily, and a lot of times Maryland just couldn't stay in games because they couldn't score, you would think there might be an inclination going into this year to go with the offensive option.
1: Yeah, and I I think it's something that Rob Vaughn and Matt Swope have to, and Anthony Papio as well, definitely have to talk about this season, and I think that means Ben Cows is gonna get a lot of opportunities because we've seen him hit so far and he could go some, through some freshman growing pains at some point. We could see some more Tommy Gardner and guys like that. Obviously Tommy will always bring in the glove and he can get on base as well. So he'll get his chances as well. I just think at the end of the day it will be Ben Cows. And that's not taking anything away from Tommy Gardner. Even if he's not a starter, he's still gonna be an important piece of this team because you can put him in really anywhere in the infield if you know, you you feel like maybe somebody's struggling a little bit defensively and you're in the end of a close game. And I think Gardner can do that for this team. But I think Ben Cows will be a guy, especially with the bat. As you said, maybe Maryland looks towards the offense a little bit more this year if they need to score some runs. And obviously he's a guy who can really help with that.
0: At first base, it seems like Cody Milton has emerged as the starter. He's the highest touted freshman in this class for Maryland. He had 21 home runs in his high school career at Severna Park High School. He's the son of Maryland alum. And former major league pitcher Eric Milton who had a long career. Milton was an Under Armour All-American, played at the Under Armour All-American game uh, at Wrigley Field in Chicago and he's a big kid. He doesn't look like a freshman. He looks like a senior already. He just has poise about him. He hit over 500 in high school last year and he struggled in the fall and I think the coaching staff was a little bit worried about that, but he's rebounded really well in the winter and in spring practice so far and It seems like he's emerged as the first base option with, and with how highly he was recruited and how highly touted he was. I think that was the hope for Maryland staff that he would lock down that first base position for at least three years. Right,
1: and he's one of those guys that's been bred as a baseball player his whole life, hanging around his dad, Eric, at the ballpark. I mean, he used to hang out with Ken Griffey Jr. at the ballpark when his dad, Eric, was playing with Ken. Obviously, Eric Milton had a great... Major league career through a no hitter back in the late 90s. But Milton, a hitter, not a pitcher. And, you know, he's not just a guy who's on this team because his dad's one of the best players in Maryland history. He's a guy who's going to compete right away. And you would think it slotted into that starting lineup day one at first base, as you said. You know, he's got the size, he can hit the ball. He can play a solid first base, and you hope Cody Milton is slotted in there, and I think he's going to be another guy just like Ben Cowles who is going to come into this lineup, be a new face, but can really help Maryland just produce some runs this season. And, you know, that's something with what Maryland has had at first base, you know, whether it be mostly Kevin Biondick last season. He showed some flashes of power, don't get me wrong, but he was more of a guy who's going to get on base and hit for average. I don't think the Terps have really had a guy who you can consistently go to at first base in a few years who sits right in the middle of that lineup and is a big hitter like those Big Ten players of the year like Brent Splaine that you've talked about. Now, Cody Milton maybe not quite that big of a guy who's going to strike out 40% of the time and hit 25 bombs this year, but he's a guy who's going to hit for some power and hopefully hit for some average as well, and I think he'll be another very, very important new face for Maryland.
0: And, you know – For as long as college sports have existed, the phrase he's just a freshman has existed. And you don't want to put too much pressure on any of these kids. So we don't want to put any, you know, put pressure on Cody Milton. We're not meaning to do that. We're not talking about him specifically. However, it's 2019 and freshmen dominate all of college sports now. I mean, look at football. A freshman won the national championship and was by far the best quarterback in the entire country. Look at college basketball right now, the best four players in the country are freshmen right now, and it 's not even close, so yeah, I mean, we can say all we want someone 's just a freshman, but in two thousand and nineteen there 's no reason that freshmen can 't dominate collegiate sports.
1: And I really thought you were going to use that to get a get a Zion it. Williamson <laughs> reference in there. are you didn't sure say I didn't no say i didn't say, say his name that 's surprising for Justin Guty <laughs> over there, closet Duke fan. But uh,
0: I would not say I'm a closet – I think I'm a very out
1: Duke fan. Well, I, I tried to save you from our Maryland listenership no, by saying closet Duke <laughs> fan so nobody sends mean comments in the, in the Mixler <laughs> section uh, when the game starts Friday Friday morning against Campbell. But, uh, yeah, obviously freshmen can dominate and freshmen can just help. Maybe a freshman is not going to be your best player, but they are guys who can help. And they've done so in the past for Maryland as well, especially some of the freshman pitchers. I mean, guys in the past, Hunter Parsons really helped his freshman year. Uh, When Brian Schaefer came in, he really helped his freshman year. And guys like that, Tyler Blome was great as a freshman. I mean, these guys came in immediately, and the Terps are hoping they can get that on the hitting side as well, where they've been more of a veteran team in recent years. Some of the years they have have had more success recently. The freshmen have been guys who have come off the bench, and there's been some great sophomores, juniors, and seniors. But this year they're going to have to rely on more new faces. And, you know, junior college guys have been around a little bit, but they're still freshmen at the D1 level, so they almost kind of fall into that picture a little bit as well the Terps are gonna have to rely on a lot of guys like that this season and it's gonna help them down the road you just hope they you know can get over a little bit of the rust get over a little bit of you know what goes into being a freshman playing division one sports for the first time and get over it quickly and you know if these guys can produce to the level we think they can the Terps are gonna have a solid offense this season
0: so the outfield we you know we talked about the questions on the right side of the infield but the outfield is the real question for Maryland You have Randy Bednar, who's in all likelihood going to be your everyday center fielder. He was a guy who was super highly touted as a freshman and really struggled. Hit 208, struck out 46 times and 149 at-bat, showed some power, had six home runs. But Bednar just – I mean, he struggled as a freshman. There's no getting around it. That's what happened. They expect him and hope for him to be better this year. And then left field and right field are – it could be a slew of guys who – no one who's ever watched a Maryland game will have seen before because never played before because they didn't go here before. Mike Panero, who was a first baseman but a, a high school outfielder, has transitioned back to the outfield so he could get some starts. It looks like Caleb Walls, who's a transfer from Pasco Hernando, started his career at George Mason. It seems like he's going to start in left field, right field. It could be Panero. It could be Max Costas, who's a third baseman, trying to play right field. Ben Cowles has gotten some reps in the outfield. Chris Allens gotten some reps in the outfield. I mean, other than the guys who are established at their positions already as starters, uh, it seems like the Maryland coaching staff has tried every single other player on the team to see who's going to play right field.
1: Look, the positive spin is you've got a whole bunch of options out there, and you've got a lot of guys on this team who, if you tell them, hey, we're going to get you some at-bats, you just got to figure out how to play right field. I think they'll do it, and somebody – is going to figure it out. And as you said, we don't know if Walls will stick out there in left field, but it does kind of seem like he's a guy who's hit, played defense pretty well so far in the fall and in the spring. So. And obviously Randy Bednar, you know, he didn't play a lot of center field last year, but I think he's a guy who has really worked on center field. He's got a pretty good arm out there, and he can track down some fly balls. I thought he played a good right field last season, despite the fact that he didn't have a great year at the plate. And obviously he got a lot of at-bats this summer to kind of work on that swing, which was pretty long last year, but it looks like he's already shortened it up and things have gotten better for Randy Bednar. Not shortened it up in the sense that he's not a power hitter anymore, just getting to the ball a little bit quicker, and he's still going to hit some home runs for the Terrapins. But obviously so many options. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if Ben Cowell's the bat is there, and Tommy Gardner's so good defensively that you want him at second, and Ben Cowles shows, hey, I can play right field, Maybe he goes out there. Again, Panero, who was on the team last year but didn't play, now he's in the mix for the Terps. And just so many guys, and then you've got a couple of junior college transfers and a lot of question marks for Terps fans. Obviously, the coaches have seen it, but maybe they don't quite know. You know, I wouldn't say if you asked Rob Vaughn today that he would tell you, oh, that, yeah, this guy's my right fielder. I don't think Rob Vaughn knows that either, but I think he has a lot of options he can go to, and if one option doesn't work out – He's got another player ready to run out there and play some right field.
0: And then when you talk about DH, it seems like it might be, you know, whoever doesn't play second base between Ben Cowles and Tommy Gardner or Maxwell Costas, who's obviously Marty's brother, and he's just like Marty when he came to Maryland. He can really hit and doesn't really have a position. Maxwell Costas is a third baseman with Taylor Wright here. He's not going to play third base. Taylor you're starting third baseman. They've tried him in the outfield some Maybe it hasn't gone great, but he's a bat they want in the lineup. And uh, before I get your take on that, I think it's just worth pointing out quickly, for those of you who are listening to this and saying, you know, how does Maryland not have a third outfielder that they feel good about? Or you know, I'm not saying they don't feel good about these guys. How is there not really a clear choice for a third outfielder? Well, Maryland's two most highly rated recruits that were supposed to come this year, Jack Herman and Nick Decker, both outfielders, both got drafted, both signed so yes that's the nature of the beast in college baseball some kids you sign in high school as commits for college are going to get drafted and sign professional contracts and never get to school so that happens but I think it's worth noting that there were two really really good outfielders who were set to come here and unfortunately from obviously congratulations to them But unfortunately for Maryland, just never got to school.
1: Right. There was a lot of talk about Decker the whole time he was being recruited. Like, this is a guy who could go very high in the Major League Baseball draft. And Rob Vaughn knew that, but obviously you still want to recruit a guy that like Maryland if he wants to commit to Maryland, even though still thinking about the draft as well. But you're kind of hoping one of those guys end up at Maryland. You can slot him in one of the outfield positions. And good for them that they both got their chance at the Major Leagues and obviously their choice to go there, and and now, as you said, you're kind of put in this position where, all right, next man up.
0: I think after his junior year of high school, there was a, a pretty good notion around here that Decker wasn't going to get to school. He was that good. I think Herman was a little bit of a surprise. He was drafted really, really late in the mid-30s, and he signed with the Pirates. So that surprised people a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that's the offense for Maryland, and then you talk about the pitching staff. Friday night's going to be Hunter Parsons. We've talked about him. He had a great year last year. Maryland has all the confidence in the world that he'll equal or better that in 2019. And then the questions start right after that. Tyler Blome, from what we hear, is not fully back from injury. He's not going to pitch this weekend. Zach Thompson's going to get the start on Saturday. He pitched with Tyler Blome in high school at Archbishop Spaulding. And what a story Zach Thompson really is. He spent his freshman year at a Division III school, St. Mary's College in Maryland, had a 5.29 ERA at a Division III school. And then the coaching staff sort of took a chance on him. He he transferred here last year, set out the year due to the transfer rules, and he put on a lot of weight, added a lot of velocity on his fastball. Talking to Coach Muscara, he said, you know, he throws a sinker that's 88 miles an hour now. He has the most fastball movement he says he's ever coached. And this kid's gone from – you know, essentially, what was an average year, division th- at a Division III school two years ago, he's going to be starting against Coastal Carolina on Saturday, the opening weekend of what's his sophomore season.
1: And it's not like you know Zach Thompson hasn't pitched a lot. He's pitched every summer since then, pitched in the Cal Ripken League, and then last summer in the NECBL made eight starts, a 3.08 ERA, struck out 47 batters, and walked just eight in 47 innings yeah. over the summer. And that's one of the top three, four leagues in the country in the NECBL. So that was obviously a very good summer for Thompson. Obviously, Muscara still had a year to really work with him, despite the fact that he wasn't able to get on a mound in a game for Maryland last season. And he's a guy that, frankly, I think I've seen pitch eight times between his time watching him in the summer and then seeing him in the fall as well. And he just seems to get better and better every single time I see him on the mound. And I think Zach Thompson will be one of the most pleasant surprises for Maryland this season. You know, it's going to be a lot for him to slot in right away on Saturday, and you're facing a team that won the national championship three years ago. I mean, this is a very good team in Coastal Carolina that continues to pick up 40-win seasons and has an incredible offense. But I think Zach Thompson, you know, you look at D3 and you look at the ERA in D3, and maybe you don't expect too much, but I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this season as
0: one of Maryland's best arms. Zach's sort of the definition of a late bloomer. He, gained, like we said, gained a lot of weight, gained a lot of velocity, and good weight, muscle. Um, after he came to Maryland, and they're very excited about him. And then right now we have a TBD for Sunday. We don't know who's going to start. It seems like it's come down to two freshmen, Daniel O'Connor, who went to Calvert Hall High School, wasn't a highly touted recruit. Shout-out to Taylor Smith. Yeah, shout-out to Taylor Smythe. Yeah, to Taylor Smythe. Uh, yeah, Hall. He had a really good fall, and the coaching staff loves his competitiveness, so he could, he could have a chance to start on Sunday. Or Trevor Labonte, who's a freshman from Maine, High school last year had a .83 ERA. He went 10-0. and 0. He's a crazy good athlete. He scored 24 points a game on the basketball court in high school. He threw for over 1,000 yards as the starting quarterback at his high school, and he was the Western Maine Player of the Year in baseball last year in high school. So really, really good athlete, tall, lanky kid. O'Connor's a little bit shorter and stouter on the mound. And Coach Muscarella said these two kids have essentially the same stuff. They're very, very similar. So he's not sure yet who's going to pitch on Sundays, at least to start the year. But it seems like it'll be one of those two.
1: And the other thing that gives you, you know, one pitch is Sunday. If the other one slots in as your midweek starter, you can finally, after two years of question marks as midweek guys, maybe Maryland can finally have a weekend rotation, obviously barring injury, a weekend rotation, and a midweek starter who goes out there and then, Behind that, you're looking at getting blown back at some point. You hope. And you hope. And Drew Wilden back at some point from injury, a couple of guys who can also help as starting pitchers. And then you have some options, which Maryland, because of injury and other things, the last two years really hasn't had much of, you know, beyond really the top two guys on Friday and Saturday. But I think these two freshmen, as you said, and it's a little different, you know, Labonte may be coming in a little bit more touted as a freshman, as you said. Daniel O'Connor kind of under the radar this fall, but both of them coming up to sort of the same position where they're fighting it out for that spot on Sunday.
0: And looking at Tyler Blom, right, he's the Big Ten freshman of the year two years ago. Last year he was really good when he was able to pitch, but he missed the end of the season with the injury. It doesn't seem like he has uh, fully recovered from that or he, he, you know, he's on his way back from that. Regardless, I mean, for Maryland, I think, maybe the most important thing this year is going to be getting Tyler Tyler Blum right if you can do it because look I mean it's no one's fault things happen it's baseball people's careers get off track and whatnot but to have a guy go from the 17th uh, the 17th round pick which he was his senior year of high school the Big Ten freshman of the year pitching so well last year and then it's just a huge question mark right now in his junior year. That's a tough spot to be in if you're Maryland.
1: Right, and you've seen Bloom, you know, freshman of the year, had that 10-strikeout game in five innings in the Big Ten tournament a couple of years ago. Last year he has that 12-strikeout game against Stetson, sets his new career high when the Turps won that great series against the Hatters last year. So he has some great stuff. I mean, that curveball that he throws kind of the 12-6 pitch is one of the best pitches in the Big Ten when He's got it on and he'll raise that fastball up in the zone and get hitters thinking the curveball is coming. And that's when he is at his best. And if the Terps can just get him back at healthy, you know, maybe it might take some time this season, but they can get him back at some point this year and get him back to what he has been the last couple of years. I mean, that gives Maryland so many options. And if Thompson can be the guy that the coaching staff thinks and you have Blome and Parsons out there, the Terps have a solidified weekend rotation that can go up against this tough schedule they have in 2019.
0: Then we get to the bullpen where we'll start at the back end and sort of move forward or backward from that, whatever you want. John Murphy's going to be the closer. We talked about that, suspended the first two games of the season. Seems like they're going to have a left-handed and a right-handed setup man. Sean Fisher, a sophomore, struggled as a freshman, RA over six and a half, but he throws hard. He's got good movement on his fastball and They expect him to be better this year because he has improved control. And then Nick Turnbull, a right-hander, very tall right-hander, a transfer from Hartford Community College that I know you saw a lot this summer. He's the hardest thrower on the team. He gets his fastball up to 93 miles an hour, has really good stuff. So those two seem like they'll man, you know, the sixth through the eighth inning before he gets to Murphy. Yeah, Nick
1: Turnbull feels like a Ryan Selmer when he walks out of the mound, but then he pumps a lot more gas. You know, nothing against Selmer, but – he was a low 80s guy who was using the movement a lot. Nick Turnbull walks up there kind of like a tall, lanky Ryan Selmer. He's going to bear the ball down on you a little bit. But then he comes with the heat as well and has a very, very good breaking ball that he showed off this summer and that he showed off at the JUCO level the last couple of years. And I think he's going to be big. Just speculating, I think if the Turps are in a safe scenario on Friday or Saturday this weekend, we could see Turnbull come out there. I think he's obviously going to slot in seventh or eighth inning before Murphy, once Murph comes back from the suspension. But I think Nick Turnbull is going to be a great piece for Maryland. And then you talked about Sean Fisher. He struggled a little bit last year, gave up a lot of hits last season. But he's a guy who, you know, all that movement on his fastball from the left side, kind of a different arm angle than you're used to seeing. He can force a lot of ground balls. He's not going to be a guy, I don't think, ever, who's going to put up gaudy strikeout numbers. I think Turnbull and Murphy at the end of the bullpen are going to be more of the strikeout guys for Maryland. But I think he's a guy who, if he can induce a lot of weak contact this year with all that movement on his pitches, especially his fastball, that can make him just as effective as those two other guys.
0: And then the rest of the names in the bullpen that are you know, options for Maryland that we'll sort of throw out there. Mike Vastoria had some good moments last year. Billy Phillips has added six to seven miles an hour on his fastball, gaining his strength back, which is obviously great for him and everyone. Sean Hine, a freshman. Has really, really good stuff. He's had some injury issues so far going into the season. So as soon as he gets healthy, Maryland thinks he'll be a part of the bullpen. Drew Wilden, you touched on, had Tommy John last year. He's been throwing off the mound, getting back to 100%. They expect him to be a part of the bullpen once he's healthy. Tuck Tucker's a transfer from New Mexico Junior College, a big left-hander. Andrew Vale, a freshman left-hander, part of that Gloucester Catholic group that you know Mike Schwarn went there John Murphy went there in New Jersey a so good
1: idea for the Maryland staff just keep recruiting yeah, from so Catholic.
0: <laughs> and if they can get the career of Mike Schwarn or John Murphy out of Andrew Vail they'll love that and then you have your Elliot Zollner that you hope it, that you're hoping can um, improve on a, a year that was struggling last year as the RA was 11-6 Mark DeLuia is an option he started a bunch of games last year for Maryland so There aren't a lot of guys in this bullpen that have a, a ton of experience. Honestly, there is one guy who has a lot of experience in the Maryland bullpen, and that's John Murphy. But there is no denying that there are a lot more people, just the number, in the bullpen. I mean, last year Maryland had like five guys they could go to out of the bullpen, and one of them was also their first baseman. That's not the issue this year.
1: Yeah, there's just so many more arms. And, you know, you got a couple guys who did pitch in some high leverage situations last year. And Fisher, Burleson, you know, Billy Phillips got on the mound some as well last year. And, of course, John Murphy. But then you have guys who are coming in and pitching in a Maryland uniform for the first time. We talk about Turnbull, some other guys like Tuck Tucker and um, guys like that in the bullpen who, you know, can come in and help Maryland as first-year guys, Andrew and another lefty as well. And then, you know, there's a couple other guys in that bullpen who you don't know if they'll be – more of a long guy out of there, you know, what their role will be. Mike Vasturia will have to see what his kind of role will be coming into this season. He made a couple starts last year. He kind of did everything for the Terps on the mound. But you talked about Elliot Zollner as well, kind of watching him this summer when he had a .64 ERA in 14 innings with 15 strikeouts. When he finds the arm angle, he's almost unhittable sometimes. It Last year was just about finding that arm angle he was losing a lot of control when he wasn't maybe hitting that angle where he wanted to. But when he did, when I saw him this summer, I mean, that slider was absolutely devastating. So if he can get going, he's just another option for the Terps. And as you said, they have good options, but even just expanding it more than that, there's just more bodies in the bullpen and all guys who I think Corey Muscara feels comfortable at least going to in certain scenarios this season.
0: So that's Maryland. That's sort of the Terps group going into the 2019 season. And now uh, we'll just take a quick break here and then preview the upcoming weekend with the games against Campbell, Coastal Carolina, and VCU. (laughs) So the 2019 season gets started for Maryland Friday morning, bright and early, 11 a.m. against the defending Big South champion, Campbell Fighting Camels. Campbell is the preseason favorite to win the Big South. They have the preseason Big South Player of the Year, and that's sort of where it all starts with them. But before we get specifically into him and the rest of the team, Campbell last year, 35-26, and 21-6 and six in the Big South. Won the Big South regular season and the Big South tournament. Went 0-2 in the Athens Regional, which was hosted by Georgia. But they actually played pretty well. They were up 2-0 on the number one seed, Georgia, in the opening game of that regional. And then against Duke in the second game. Go ahead, mention Duke. They were up 8-1 in the sixth inning and lost the game 15-8, Fifteen to eight, I think it was. Sixteen to eight. 16 they led to eight.
1: eight to five heading into the ninth inning. But here's
0: the thing, Connor. And
1: Duke scored eleven in the ninth.
0: Right. So Campbell, I know it's been a long break, but Campbell is coming off the last inning of baseball they played. They gave up eleven runs. So momentum is not in their favor going <laughs> into this game against Maryland.
1: That's one way to look at it going into Friday morning. And listen, you know, get up if if you're at work, turn us on. You know, get some coffee, get ready to go. It's 11 a.m. baseball, and that's how. The Terps get to start their season bright and early, but as you said, Campbell a very good team out of the Big South, and obviously they're going to be hungry after how that ended. I mean, maybe not so much the Georgia game. They had the lead, but that Georgia team was really good, and that offense just poured it on. But in that Duke game, 8-1 to one after six innings, and even 8-5 to five in the ninth, not only do you give up the lead, but to let it snowball into 11 runs that really gives you no chance at all to come back in the bottom of the ninth in an elimination game. And that Campbell team had a lot of offense last season, and The pitching was good on the weekend. Obviously, they had a little bit of bullpen struggles, and that showed in those games against Georgia and Duke. But this is a good team from a mid-major conference. And as you said, I mean, they have not only one of the best hitters in the Big South, probably the best hitter in the Big South, but one of the best hitters in the country, Matthew Barefoot. He was the MVP of the Cape Cod League this summer. He's a great player.
0: And the question is, will he wear shoes? (laughs) Stop. (laughs) So... We talked about a little bit how many transfers Maryland has. It's a whole nother level at Campbell. It's I, there, there are 13 players on the team, 13 that have ever played an inning of baseball for Campbell. There are 21 players on the team that transferred in this year from junior colleges.
1: It's, it's honestly unbelievable, and you know a lot of the pitchers came from some of the same junior colleges. But if you look at the hitters, and especially some guys who are going to be in this Campbell lineup on Friday, it almost seemed like every single hitter who came from a junior college came from a different JUCO. So a great job by Justin Hare, his fifth season as a head coach at Campbell, and his staff going out there with a depleted roster and going to some different JUCOs in a lot of different states and finding guys who can come help this Campbell team. And for Campbell baseball fans, it's going to be a lot of new faces this year, and we'll see you know really who goes into this lineup for Campbell we talk about Matthew Barefoot he's the Big South preseason player of the year he led the Big South in basically every hitting category last year 364 average 484 on base eight homers he pitches a little bit as well so he's a great player and then in the infield they've got a guy Luis Jimenez who is a senior who will really anchor the top of this lineup but after that there's just so many new faces, and we'll have to see how that affects the team that went to the NCAA tournament.
0: Right, absolutely. And so it's not the same team that made it to the tournament last year, but they have their best player back, no doubt, in barefoot. And when you see these really good non-Power 5 schools, a lot of the time they can really hit, and sometimes the pitching is, is the issue for them. Now, on Friday night, it seems like we're going to get a transfer on the mound in his in his first game at Campbell Seth Johnson who pitched two years at Lewisburg College he's expected to start Friday night uh he's the t- according to Baseball America he's the top draft prospect in the Big South so that's you know maybe an advantage for Maryland that they have a guy playing in his first division 1 game probably starting against them on Friday the difference against him or the the uh the disadvantage for Maryland excuse me is that they don't really know anything about him, and, and, and nobody does because, unfortunately, there's not a lot of film to find on Lewisburg College baseball. And you hit the nail on the
1: head right there. Nobody really knows anything about him. And that's not just because he pitched at Lewisburg College at JUCO in North Carolina the past couple of years. He barely pitched at all. He did not pitch in his first season in 2017, was just a hitter there. Last season, six innings on the mound. He struck out 11 batters, no walks, and six innings on the mound. That's it for him. And he comes in with this live mid 90s fastball that he's either going to pitch Fridays or Saturdays this season for Campbell. And he's a huge question mark, one of the biggest question marks in the national college baseball landscape because, you know, places like Baseball America think he's going to be such a great prospect.
0: If it's not him who starts, you would think it'll be Michael Horrell, who's the best returning pitcher on Campbell's staff. He was second team all Big South last year. And he spent the whole year as Campbell's Saturday starter. He was 6-4, and four, a 3.75 ERA in 14 starts. More of a control guy than a strikeout guy, only 48 Ks in 72 innings. But he was struggling down the stretch, moved from the Saturday starter role to the Sunday starter role going into the Big South tournament. So he started the third game and then didn't get a start in the regional. So, you know, there's obviously confidence in him based on what he did overall last year. So maybe he gets the Friday start, but at least Baseball America thinks Seth Johnson's going to start. Other than that, a lot of questions in the bullpen for Campbell. A lot of guys who are going to be getting their first Division One experience. So Tyler Messer's back. He's their closer. He was second team all Big South last year, and he led the conference with eight saves, but his ERA was almost five. So, you know, that's sort of hard to put together how good that guy actually is. So... As much as we want to do our best to to preview Campbell here, so much of this roster we just can't even begin to know anything about.
1: Yeah, there's going to be so many question marks. And
0: and that's other than just reading you junior college statistics. Right,
1: and, and I just want to give you the one Tyson Messer stat that we'll obviously bring up on Friday if he gets in the game. But he's a senior, and he's going to anchor the back end of this bullpen. But he has pitched 93 innings in his career at Campbell. 93 strikeouts, 92 walks in 93 innings. I mean, he hits the mound, you know he's going to strike somebody out, and he's going to walk somebody. <laughs> so it's about if Maryland can get any hits on him if he takes the mound on Friday.
0: And this could be a good thing for Messer or a bad thing, but he was really good in conference play last year and really bad outside conference play. He had a 174 ERA in Big South competition. His ERA for the season was almost five. So that sort of tells you his struggles outside of the conference. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, in the, or I guess in the simplest way possible of putting this, Campbell is a really strong mid-major. It's interesting that every outlet we can find is picking Campbell to win the Big South because at least to me, that seems like it's solely on the back of Matthew Barefoot because nobody can really know anything about all these guys. Or these guys are watching a lot of junior, <laughs> junior college, college baseball. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's possible. Uh, so that's, that's the Friday game. And then sort of the headliner is on Saturday when Maryland takes on Coastal Carolina, the 2016 National Champions. They hosted a regional last year going 43-19, and 23-7, and seven, won the Sun Belt in the regular season and in the tournament. Went one and two in their own regional in Conway, Washington. A little bit of a Cinderella story is a three seed, won the regional, made it all the way to the College World Series. So that was disappointing last year. For Coastal Carolina but they are a team that can really hit they hit 290 as a group last year hit 81 home runs as a team last year they're ranked in the top 25 in every single preseason poll they have the number 14 ranked recruiting class in the country coming into this year they are expected to be really really good good news for Maryland though Coastal was really good last year and the Terps beat them in this wild wacky game that ended with a catcher's interference
1: Yeah, and I mean this team, what they've done since they came onto the scene with that run in 2016 is obviously they just hit and they hit and they get new guys who come in and those guys hit too. I mean you're going to look at this Coastal lineup and obviously on a weekend like this when you're playing three different teams you kind of focus more on the offenses somewhat because they're guys you know you're going to see rather than just one starting pitcher and you don't know know, who's going to be available out of the bullpen on a Saturday instead of a Friday. But you look at these guys, I mean Corey Wood who's a preseason all Sun Belt player I mean he was a freshman All-American hit almost 300 last year um, he had a great season Jake Wright a guy coming in from South Carolina who dominated at the JUCO level he's a transfer I mean they just have so many guys in this offense it just they just hit one through nine and it's going to be so tough for Maryland especially down in Conway even though they did win last year it's a tough place to
0: play as well and touching on some more guys with the offense Parker Chavers his first team all sunbelt he had a, a ridiculous year last year as a freshman. He's the most was the most decorated freshman in the history of Coastal Carolina baseball, and that's really saying something. And then, you know, you have your, your power threat, which is Zach Bierman, who was a third-team All-American last year, hit 13 home runs, drove in 57. He didn't start in the game against Maryland last year. He wasn't even a starter at the beginning of the year last year for Coastal. So, you know, that's what they're excited about. Talking about the pitching staff, Friday night seems like for Coastal, it'll be Matt Erdenson, who was a third-team preseason All-American this year. He wasn't a starter last year. He was sort of partly the closer, but he threw nearly 60 innings, so he's expected to move into the rotation. So he wouldn't pitch against Maryland. There are a number of options for the Saturday start. Could be uh, Anthony Veneziano, Went seven and one last year in 12 starts. He could also start on Friday, and then with this dominating pitching staff that Coastal had last year, there are also some freshmen who are absolute blue trip, excuse me, absolute blue chip recruits who are going to have huge roles on this team. Davy Inman, um, to mention also, threw 43 innings last year for Coastal, and he could move into the starting rotation last year, or excuse me this year but uh Coastal had this dominant recruiting class and they have a bunch of guys who could pitch for them this year and then one other guy to look at is Zach McCambly who's a sophomore and he came into Coastal as a pretty good prospect and last year developed into an elite prospect he became a starter by the end of the year in the midweek had a 3.14 ERA but he throws 96 miles an hour and he has a dominant breaking ball Jacob Maton's one of those top recruits for Coastal, a 39th-round pick last year uh, in the draft out of high school. So he's a guy who could do big things for Coastal. There are just a lot of names and a lot of stuff and a lot of impressive high school numbers to throw at you uh, for Coastal Carolina. So we'll see who starts against Maryland on that side, but there's no doubt the chances are, are going to be very, very good this year.
1: Yeah, and obviously you just talked about the pitching. I mean, if you see a guy like McCambly – after you see a guy like Seth Johnson, it's going to be a tough start to the weekend for the Terps. A couple of guys with 95-mile-per-hour fastballs to start your weekend. But this team just so deep that there's – you know, you look at this team and they haven't really announced any sort of a starting rotation for the weekend. You know, it could be a little different because you're playing three different teams instead of a weekend series. But there's probably six or seven guys who they would be maybe confident just tossing out there on Saturday and feeling like they have a good chance to win. I mean, Gary Gilmore, the head coach for Coastal Carolina, just – Every year has so many options at the plate and on the mound as this, you know, program just it seems like gets better and better after winning that Cinderella national championship in 2016.
0: Right. They 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 haven't gotten back to the College World Series in the three years since winning that national championship. But they've become an established elite program in college baseball. You know, there there was a, a bunch of years back. I don't even remember what year it was like. oh, five oh six. Fresno State came out of absolutely nowhere, won the national championship, and they haven't – you know, they didn't really do anything after that. That was sort of a one-year flash in the pan. Coastal won the 2016 national title, and they've been a top 25 team every year since. And Gary Gilmore has said this team that he has this year is more talented than the one that won the national championship. So that really tells you something.
1: Yeah, it's it's different because you remember that national championship run. You know, they were led by a couple of – you know – gritty get your pants dirty kind of college baseball guys you know weren't going to be pro prospects because they won that national championship recruiting has become a lot easier for that coaching staff now they're bringing guys who are getting drafted out of high school guys who they're prepping for the draft or leaving after their junior years it's a different kind of great baseball team now and they still have those gritty coastal guys that helped them win three years ago but there's a lot more star power on this team And obviously, you know, the results haven't been as good as winning the national championship. But as you said, the program as a whole is getting better with the better players they're getting. And it's only a matter of time before this team gets back to the College World Series.
0: So then on Sunday, Maryland plays a team that it's very familiar with, VCU. The Terps usually play a home and home midweek series with VCU every year. They did it last year. They're doing it again this year, so they'll play VCU three times it's this just year. Just a series
1: spread out throughout the entire yeah. season. <laughs>
0: unless it rains. <laughs> uh, VCU went 1-1 one one against Maryland last year. Early in the year, the Terps went to Richmond one 2 nothing. Mark D'Elia started that game, pitched very well. Terps got their two runs on a sack fly and a bunt. So that was that game. And then sort of one of the uh, very down moments of the year was when VCU came to College Park and beat Maryland. I think it was 14 to 3. So, VCU probably had the upper hand on Maryland last year. Sean Stifler's in his 7th year there. VCU went 34 and 23, 14 and 10, finished 6th place in the Atlantic 10 with that 14 and 10 conference record. But it's a good it's a good mid-major program. They've won at least 34 games 5 years in a row. They have some returners offensively, Steven Carpenter, Paul Witt, both had big years last year. Um you know, they have a big-time transfer in Andrew Puglili, who was a 40th-round pick by the White Sox out of high school and spent one year at Barry College and then tore it up last year at Florida Southwestern State. The pitching staff is going to be led by their closer, Mack McCarty, who's a second-team All-American in the preseason, according to Collegiate Baseball. He had 16 saves last year. Starting rotation, you wonder if Maryland is going to see one of two guys that they saw a lot of last year. Sam Ryan pitched six innings in two midweek games against Maryland last year. And then you have Jack Alkire, who pitched great baseball against Maryland at VCU last year. Three perfect innings with five strikeouts against the Terps overall in the year. Fifteen appearances, five starts, a two-and-a-half ERA. And, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of recruiting, but he's a guy that the Terps sort of let get out of the state he was the number three prospect in Maryland in 2015 went to DeMatha right down the road and he decided to go to VCU and he's had a really good career there now in his senior year so you wonder if Ryan or Alkire are one of the two guys that Maryland could see start against them on Sunday
1: yeah and you think Rob Vaughn has to expect to see one of those guys at the very least he's gonna see probably both of them throughout their three games this season just because they've had some success excuse me against Maryland and Obviously, this VCU team, you know, we talk about the home and home in the midweek. I think it's always a great team to have on the schedule because, as you said, five straight years with 30-plus wins. They're always a very solid, you know, midweek team to play and especially get twice on your schedule, and it's an easy trip to Richmond and for them back up here. But to get them in this Coastal Series weekend, you know, that'll be interesting, too, to see a team that you've seen so many times, players they've seen so many times, to kind of open the season like that. Usually you're opening seasons with teams – you haven't played very much before. You haven't seen much of before, obviously, with Campbell for Maryland and Coastal Carolina to an extent despite playing them last year. But VCU will be different because the Turps we talked about, have a little bit of a question on Sunday who's going to start. But I think a good thing for that is despite them not knowing and they're probably going to go with a freshman, either O'Connor or Labonte, they do know who they're facing, what VCU is going to bring, and that should give the Terps a little bit of an advantage, despite not quite yet knowing who will take them out on Sunday.
0: We talked to Tad about the VCU offense, but the best player they have is their shortstop, Hogan Brown. He was a second-team All Atlantic 10 member and All A10 freshman team member last year. Going into his sophomore year, they expect big things from here, from him. They he uh, he slashed three forty-four, four thirty-six, four twenty-nine last year in OPS over eight hundred so they expect him to have a really good year, and he's the guy who's going to lead the way for VCU. He had three RBIs in the second game against Maryland last year, so we'll see what goes down, but VCU's a good opponent. I think last year, obviously, that, that Coastal win was great in this three-team tournament, but it turned out Radford wasn't very good and Ball State wasn't very good. I don't think that'll be the case this year because Campbell's a good team, VCU's a good team, and obviously Coastal might be a great team.
1: Yeah, and it's it's going to help the Turps obviously immensely to get if they can get those wins as well. And it obviously helped so much to get a full 3 and 0 weekend last year and it's it was so tough to just get that Coastal win, but as you said, it's tougher the games around it uh this season. So if the Turps can come away with a 3 and 0 weekend this year, that's going to be an even bigger step than it was last year for this team, especially to start the season. But if you're the Turps, you're going down there these three teams, you're looking to get two wins. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. You're looking to go down there, come away with a winning record after week
0: one, and then come back home and hope it's not snowing when Maine comes in next (laughs) weekend. (laughs) Absolutely. So that's how it's all going to get started. Friday morning, 11 a.m. against Campbell. Saturday at 3 in the afternoon against Coastal Carolina. And Sunday, 11 a.m. against VCU. Connor and I will both be making the trip. Down to Myrtle Beach, or the Myrtle Beach area, more specifically Conway, South Carolina. I believe this is the first time in Maryland Baseball Network history that uh, two broadcasters have gone on a regular season trip for a whole weekend, so that's cool. And Connor and I are very excited about it. Should be fun. Hope you're excited about it as well. Once again, 11 a.m. Friday, 3 p.m. Saturday, 11 a.m. Sunday. We'll have all the coverage for you, as always, here on the Maryland Baseball Network. Uh, pregame show half starting a half hour before scheduled for first pitch so that'll wrap things up for the first Maryland Baseball Network podcast of the 2019 season hope you enjoyed it as much as we did as we have the last few years the podcast will be back every week during the season featuring player interviews uh, weekend recaps and weekend previews so get excited for that and more importantly get excited for Maryland baseball it's just a few days away So for my partner Connor Newcomb and our entire Maryland Baseball Network staff, I'm Justin Galanti saying so long and see you this weekend in South Carolina.